Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Jeff Dawkins. I'm one of the elders at Cornerstone Church, and Pastor Doug has a week off this week. This is the 10th week that we're going to be in, in our time away, our, our lack of togetherness. And if you remember from last week, Pastor Doug explained that really what we're doing here is walking away from the practical application that we find in the book of James, and we're walking through the book of Colossians. We've taken some some turns and going into Psalms and what we're doing now is coming back into Colossians today. So the message today is entitled The One Calling You Into Relationship. The One Calling You Into Relationship. And before we get going, I do want to point out to you that there are several things going on still weekly, daily with the church. And if you haven't signed up for In the Word Today or you don't have connection with us at our website, at the cconline.org or Cornerstone Church AZ, please contact us. Get connected. You'll find the most current information on our website, which is updated almost daily. And then use the contact information on the back of the bulletin, the connecting points, which are posted online, to go ahead and contact the leaders if you have any questions at all. On that, I would encourage you, wherever you are, whatever home you're in right now, whatever setting that you're watching this message, Go ahead and use those leader helps. We really are focusing on getting, getting the, the people in the home and the people that are doing the messages together to focus on the leader helps. So to give you a place to go after the table talk questions, uh, this week we're going to focus only on three table talk questions. There's not going to be any additional activities or things to do. Feel like we really run um, our congregation, all of us, through that process. And I don't want to overwhelm anyone else here with that. So with the focus of that, we want to continue talking about the one call center relationship. Um, remember that we're still not meeting as a corporate body yet, which is hard. This is hard to do, but it's worthwhile. As I was telling Pastor Doug the other day, that even preparing this message, finishing it at the end, there really is nothing that I'd rather be doing at all. So keeping some of these announcements in mind, we have activities going on through the summer. Check the website. You'll find out more information. Uh, we are still planning on pool parties. We are still planning on the retreat. We just don't know how these things are going to look yet, but they're still on the calendar. If you have any ideas for activities or if you want to participate, and, and so often we get people that come up to us in leadership and say, how can I help? Well, a way you can help is you can contact. If, if you are interested in, in serving, let's just say, in connection, then Mark McCausland is the deacon over that ministry. His contact information is on the bulletin, and you can go ahead and contact him or email him, and he'll give you information about how to really to work with his team in the area that you find to be most rewarding for you, where you feel the Lord is calling you to. And there's all different areas. And we're not limited to that. If you have something you want to do as a, as a, as a leader in the church, I say go for it. Let us know and we'll see what we can do to help facilitate that for you. That may be meeting in groups, small groups. That may be meeting together in larger groups. It may be covering a book of the Bible still or going through another resource that really draws out the message of the gospel of Christ. So before I get started here, I, I do want to pray. I just want to point out as I pray, though, that as a police officer, what we've seen here coming back into this time where, where the state's reopened, people have such a fatigue from being apart that they are willing to go 
the other way being together. We've seen disobedience, we've seen disrespect, we've seen a focus on selfishness and not selflessness. But the Lord says, but not so with you. And so my my plea to you is that as we continue to work through kind of wrapping up what this time apart would look like, focus on what the time together is going to be because it's going to be a beautiful thing. So please join me as we pray. Father God, thank you that the truth of your word, the truth, truth of your word covers all. And that we don't have to wonder about what it's going to be like. We know what it's like. Because every time we get together, even in this setting, your spirit connects us in a way that we have not previously seen. Even from last week's message to this week's message, Lord, you've done something different in the hearts and minds of your people. And you're going to continue doing different things, Lord. I pray now for your people, our people, that you would open their hearts and minds, that you would open their arms and and their homes. So, Lord, they would feel that there is nothing to to hold back and there's nothing to fear and there's and there's precautions that we take and there's and there's good discernment, but we know we trust the discernment that your spirit provides so that when we hear a word from your spirit calling us from the right or the left, Lord, we just walk in that path. And so for my brothers and sisters that are right now hearing this message and listening to this prayer, Lord, it's my heart's desire that you make us into that which we have not been before, as Pastor Doug would say, and open our eyes that we could behold the wonderful things that come from your law as we talk about relationships with you. And Lord, I pray for those pastors that are getting ready for Pentecost, that are that are moving forward and, and, and how much fatigue their soul feels. Lord, I pray just like you told the woman at the well, you said, drink from me and you will never thirst again. Lord, I pray for those pastors. I pray for our pastor that they would never thirst again having their thirst quenched by the maker of the universe. Father, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So, open your Bibles up to Colossians. We're going to be working through the last half of Colossians 3, working through Colossians 3.15 to 4.6. So, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, we're going to break that up from there to 4.6 into three separate areas. So, you have an outline you can see on your connecting points. And if you haven't had a chance to to print the connecting points or go through that, then you should definitely do that. As an aside, before we start here, you can even hit pause. One of the things that we really want to focus on for our invocation is that that passage in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10. So if you haven't had a moment to go ahead and do the invocation with us, do that invocation out of 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10, and then come back. And we're back. So, as we move out of the invocation, as we move through where we're going to be, let's talk about these three points. The first point is going to be our foundation for relationships. Our foundation for relationships. And the second point is going to be the practice field for relationships. And the last point will draw us through God's glory through relationships. You see, God's not calling us just for a a new way, but a new reason for relating to one another. 
and God created us for relationships with, with him and with others. And relating to what we are going to do for all eternity is preparation. It's premarital counseling for what it's going to look like for the rest of all time together. So what we do now is a, is a really is a vision of what's to come being made in perfection. So open your Bibles up to Colossians 3.15. The theme of Colossians is sufficiency. And the Lord seems to make it appropriate to highlight this key of the book from, from if you remember chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, as you're getting to where we're going to be at today. Uh, Colossians 2, 13 and 14, I'm going to read it from my Bible. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It can't be overstated. We are only truly sufficient in our lives when our lives are intertwined with the one who gave us the breath of life, Christ himself. First with Jesus, second with others. The DNA of Cornerstone is built upon the one another. It's built upon relationships. The premise of us living out loud as a one another group for the glory of Christ can't be overstated. So read with me the first part of Colossians as we look at our first point, our foundation of relationships. Starting in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So this is our foundation. And verse 15 does a great job of highlighting that, that he wants us to embark upon a certain course of action. Verse 15, if you see in your Bible, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That peace comes when we walk in relationship together. It's been said that darkness about going is light about staying. So Christ called us to enjoy his peace, both as individuals and as a church together. And you can't overlook the importance of that part. Individually, we have peace. In fact, it's to the Lord in Isaiah 26, will say, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts him. And yet as a church, we can't overlook the importance of the last part of that, to which you also were called in one body. One way in which we can enjoy peace would be to live in isolation from all Christians, but that's not God's purpose. He set the solitary in families. He put us in families. God's intention is that we should gather together in local churches. And yes, there have been difficulties working through COVID-19, but there have been difficulties in people's lives with surgeries and with deaths in the family and with a loss of jobs, a loss of income, a loss of expectations to where we all thought we were going to be. So COVID-19 isn't something new to God. It isn't, it isn't a way for our economy to fight back against us. It's not a way to put us in a position that we can't survive. It's a way to understand again that the peace of Christ can rule supremely in our hearts. And although living together in families as Christians can certainly be trying at times, God develops these virtues in our lives. It's his purpose in relationships that we shouldn't shrink away from responsibilities in the local church. In fact, now especially, when we don't get to meet together, 
press into those responsibilities. You say, Jeff, well, how is that possible? Again, reach out. If you have something, I would like to invite you right now, if you have something on your heart that you know the Lord would give glory to our church by having everyone see, please reach out, send it to us. Do a little video, do a blog, do something. We got to see Mark and Karis Abril talk about what the Lord is doing this time. We and leadership would love to hear from you. What is the Lord doing in this time for you? Share it with us and we can, we can continue the connectedness we have as a family for Christ. So, verse 15 sets our foundation. Verse 16, God's word is our foundation. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell. Well, I'm going to take up Doug's soapbox role for a second and let you know, you can only let the word of God richly dwell when you spend time with the word of God. If you haven't made it a priority to spend time with the word of God, I'm not judging you and I'm not guilting you. But I am going to ask you this question. What is it in life that is holding a higher priority to you? I mean, really, what is it right now that's holding a higher priority? If you had put wealth, if you put your retirement, if you put these things that fade away on a higher level of priorities, we have seen people lose up to a third of their retirement in three months in the police department. If we put things or put our hope in things that, that get destroyed and we don't build our house on a firm foundation, then we're going to be in trouble. So my encouragement to you is to get in the Word of God every day. We pray. I pray for the, for the Word to richly dwell in my heart. I pray for my family to be impacted in a way that would bring glory to God. I read from the In the Word Today passage. Today was in Matthew. And then I journal on whatever the Lord's hit me at. You may do it differently, but spend time in the Word of God. Reading other books is awesome. In fact, if you know me, you know that I love doing book studies about biblical concepts. But the Word of God is the best book study you can have. So, continuing. If you don't believe that the magnificence of the Lord has value, then you'll never be able to find the riches of dwelling with Him. Just simply sit at the foot of the cross and He's going to guide you. So, Building into the foundation from 15 and 16 leads us to verse 17. Verse 17 is one of two places in this section of Scripture that's called an all-inclusive. It's an all-inclusive. It's going to mean that we judge ourselves. Our whole conduct can be judged at this moment. So whatever we do. Uh, young people today, I have teenagers. Young people today have a difficult time deciding whether certain things are right or wrong. In fact, we all have a difficult time deciding that. But this verse, when you commit this verse to memory, it can prove to be the key to unlocking so many answers in this area. The greatest test should be, I'm just going to read this. I wrote this down. Can I do this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would this be to his glory? Could I expect his blessing to rest on it? And would I want to be doing it when he comes back again? And notice that this test applies to the words we speak and the deeds we do in context. Obedience to this command should strengthen all of us in life. It's, it's a secret that is not held back. The Lord doesn't hold back this secret from his people. And once again, the Apostle Paul adds at the end, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks. It's thanks. It's thankfulness that we get to do whatever we do in word or deed for thankfulness to bring glory to God. It is actually a perpetual duty for those saved by grace and destined for the courts of heaven. 
our foundation is built in this passage in verses 15 through 17. Now, I want to bring you to the table talk question number one. So, after I read this, pause and talk about this amongst yourselves, okay? We can be fearful people. In times where we have only our own voice in our head, we do whatever we can to avoid that talk. Hallmark movie binges, Fortnite marathons, working out for hours at a time. Foundations, however, the surfaces that everything a building has sits upon. What foundation is being set in your life by these things? Talk about how to chisel through the bedrock of busy distractedness to lay a foundation tempered by the master builder. So go ahead and take a moment and talk about that. Okay, we're back. So we talked about verses 15 through 17 as setting our foundation. The Lord gives us our entire life now to practice through getting it right in three separate areas according to the Apostle Paul. That leads us to our second point, the practice field of relationships. Excuse me, relationships. So the first area, verses 18 and 19, are going to talk about marriages. So you may think to yourself, well, Jeff, I'm not married, so this doesn't apply to me. It does, because we are the bride of Christ, and we are practicing now what's going to be an eternal marriage with the Lamb. So listen up. Verse 18, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. So I will tell you that Brandy and I are coming on 23 years married together. And it's amazing. We've been together 24 and a half years. And we both will openly confess, and I encourage you to contact her and ask her this. We still need the practice of being a married couple, embracing our God-given roles and thriving together, even as we work through painting our entire house together. It is a good practice field. And if you're married, just remember that God is specifically using your marriage as a way to prepare you, like I said, individually for the marriage to him in heaven. Marriage is the closest relationship we are ever going to have on earth. Which leads us to verse 20. Parenting and families. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Well, let me clue you in on something. With two teenage boys, I love verse 20. Oh, I love being able to use it on the kids. Children, be obedient to the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord. I, I throw some Ephesians in there. Maybe we sprinkle it with a little bit of a Holy Spirit guilt if need be to get my message across to the kids. And especially when I think that they have hard hearts or they're, you know, maybe they're being snarky with my wife and I or they just, in general, I feel like I need them to know that I'm in charge. Verse 20 is amazing for that. But I skipped 21. So the huge problem with my interpretation of how I get my children to obedience routinely is that I beat them down with a verse about things that I've done and things that they should do. But it actually says in verse 21, these are the things I should avoid doing. It's got to be exasperating to my boys as the Holy Spirit pounds them through their dad. It's not even the Spirit. It's me putting into them what I want done. I mean, no wonder there's conflict. No wonder there's dissension. No wonder there's a lack of obedience. I would encourage you in your homes, if you have strife, if you have conflict, if you are dealing in a situation now in a season of life where, where it seems so crazy, take a look inward first. Remember verse 20 is an encouragement only because verse 21 has leadership, first from the Spirit, and second it says from fathers, really for the leader in the home. And if, if you're a single parent, this is for you as well. And so openly to my boys, and my wife, just hear my heart. 
that I don't want to be the guy that constantly beats you like that. That I am apologizing for being exasperating. But I know the Spirit covers that. I know, though, that the quickest way to drive your kids away is to demand obedience because, well, I earned it. Or my wife and I have been together so long. Or I work. Or I, 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 I. When you say I, it's like Pastor Paul Tripp said at a marriage conference. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Over and over and over again. Because it's really what we're talking about. It's what I want in the moment. Lord, what do you want? The role demands gentle sensitivity cradling the hearts of our kids not an iron grip that crushes them so there it is not to us but for your name be the glory verses 21 really brings verse 21 brings up to me so for jobs and service in the workplace verse 22 slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth not with external service as those who merely please men but with sincerity of heart fearing the lord whatever you do there it is again do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he's done in that without partiality. And bring it into verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So there are some highlighted points that I wanted to bring out. Verse 22, the end of that, sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Verse 24, after talking about the inheritance, which Pastor Doug brought out last week, it is the Lord Christ you serve. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, knowing you too have a master in heaven. So in these three areas, Paul really reveals the true motivation that any worker or supervisor should have. It's the Lord you fear. It's the Lord for whom you work. And it's the Lord to whom the same standard is going to be applied to you in heaven. That's a big deal. Because all of us, you can say, well, I don't work. I'm a stay-at-home mom. First of all, if any stay-at-home mom wants to go ahead and post something on Facebook about the lack of work you do, please feel free. My wife has been a stay-at-home mom and a homeschool mom for over 10 years. And she's at work before she gets out of bed. And she considers her work as she's falling asleep. My wife and all stay-at-home moms, especially with some of the burdens you have in homeschooling, the joyful responsibilities that are brought up, it is daunting. And I frankly don't know how my wife does it. She's a queen. So if you have an opportunity, make sure that you give honor and value and grace to your significant other for their contribution. Because we go off, we as, as people leaving the home, work outside the home and have no idea what it takes so thank you. Paul authors this letter in about 60 or 61 AD, about the same time that he wrote Philemon. In fact, later on this week, you're going to read the letter that Paul wrote in Philemon. The letter at that point entreats the perspective of a master to a slave that was now redeemed in Christ and has relevance. I'm just going to read a small portion of this in verse 8 through 18. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what's proper. Now remember, let's take a quick pause here. Paul's writing to Philemon, who is now a redeemed Christian. Paul knows that Philemon is a brother. And he's talking to him about a slave that had run away, Onesimus. Verse 9, Yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I begot in my imprisonment. I've sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart 
whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but by your own free will. Listen to this. For perhaps he was for this reason separated for you for a while that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, if you then regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. But he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul is making a plea, an endearing plea to Philemon, saying that it was the Lord's plan to separate Onesimus from you so that he can now be brought back to you and you appreciate him as a brother. It was the practice that was needed in that relationship. That's the whole point. The practice that's needed to spend an eternity with the Lord was shown in the love of Philemon as he extends the love of Christ to Onesimus. All of our earthly relationships should be used as a vessel to shape us more closely to the best possible fit to the relationship of Christ and us together in all eternity. So as we finish this section, our practice field and relationships, we're going to move into table talk number two. And I'm going to get ready to hit you right between the eyes with this. So listen, consider your family and your work. Nothing happens by karma, by luck, or by chance. Nothing. God puts you in your family, your marriage, your job, and yes, in your church specifically. How will you respond? Think of one way in each area to draw your perspective toward the real reason these relationships exist in your world, and then talk as a group about how to bring those thoughts into action. So go ahead and pause, and when you come back, we'll jump into our third point. Okay. All that we've talked about so far, about building a firm foundation, and about having a practice field for the relationships that the Lord's putting, is all for a purpose. Paul walks us through that purpose in our last point. We're going to be in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. The last point is called God's glory through relationships. Well, this has got to be all about kingdom building. Our foundation is set. It's set, we talked about, on the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit in our life. We then talked about the practice field being with, if you remember, we talked about marriages. We talked about parenting, families, working working for somebody, supervising people. And now you think about, well, what, what is the point of this? Everything we do should be about bringing God glory. There isn't a page in Scripture. In fact, when I think about it, there's not a page anywhere in this book that you can find that isn't about bringing God glory. Bringing God glory matters when we finally get to be back in a position where we are made whole again. And we're there forever with the Lord. It's the relationships that are going to bring glory to God that he's going to focus on. That's really all we're going to want to do. So this has got to be about kingdom glory. The day is coming for the new kingdom to be fully consummated. And we need to make the most of that time. We need to make the most of that time by inviting others into relationship with him. And then using the invites as a means to create the relationship to bring God glory. Now let's look at the scripture passage here. Verses 2 through 6, follow along with me as I read in chapter 4. Devote yourself to prayer. Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. 
praying at the same time for us as well that God would open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you would know how you should respond to each person the closest connection that we have in the Lord is his Holy Spirit inside of us let me say that again the closest connection in relationship that we have to the Lord on earth will be his spirit inside of us. My children and I were talking about this idea about being able to talk to Daniel, about being able to talk to Moses, about David in heaven, and ask him what their, what their experiences were like and, and how, did you, how did you close the lion's mouth? And David, how did you beat Goliath? And, and Moses, how did you part the Red Sea? And they're going to answer and we're going to be giving God glory and they're going to stop before we walk away and say, what was it like? to have the Lord that we served and knew live inside of you every day. What was that like? If you had to give an answer to people in heaven about what would that like, what would you tell them? Well, the word devote in verse 1 means to endure in the Greek. It's, it means to endure consistently. And it implies actually a real action to be completed. And it's not something passive, but it, it's something that Someone brings to mind when, think of the concept of working out and sweating and, and, and persevering for a goal that they know will ultimately be good for them, right? So why do we need devotion and prayer? Well, we gather ourselves to speak boldly the mystery of Christ in verse 3. So this mystery is not something that Paul has never talked about before. In fact, he uses that phrase to give context here that his, his word shows in Colossians. Let's look at Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, here's what he says, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. All people, all people, Paul says, have the privilege to be in a savior relationship with Jesus Christ if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead and they'll be saved, Romans 10.9. Your daily readings are going to walk you through more of this idea, but just consider that for a second. Consider that at times we look at people that we feel are maybe less worthy of that saving grace. Assuming we can get past our own biases and what we had to overcome and what the Lord had to overlook in, in, in Jeff's life to save him, assuming you can get by that, Paul actually says the mystery is that everyone has a chance for the redemptive grace of Christ. And, you know, before I walk through some more explanation about the passage, I, I got to take time on this. Do you know what it's like to feel that way? Did you just resonate with something I said about maybe looking at other people and saying, well, I'm not them. I'm not as bad as them. I have a job. I'm essential, right? I have a family. I'm not using drugs. I'm not drunk all the time. I don't beat my children. If you look at those situations and say, that's not something that I would do, so I'm better, I'd have you stop for a second. The Bible said there's no one good, not even one. And, and the peace, though, 
that comes from. When you recognize that moment that you're not good and you're not enough and the only thing that can be redeemable in your life is that Jesus Christ chose you from the beginning of time, that's peace. That is the relationship we focus on. If you don't know that relationship, I'm begging you. Tomorrow's not promised. Pastor Doug talked about it last week. We don't know the hour. We don't know the time the Lord's coming back. I beg you. Call me. Text me. Zoom meeting with me. Reach out some way. Send me a letter. Whatever you want to do. Talk to somebody about what it means to have a faith that's based on the foundation of Christ and watch as the peace of Christ which surpasses all knowledge and understanding settles into your bones and into your soul. If you have been wrestling during this time with doubt, despair, depression, discouragement, discontentment, fear, anxiety, guilt, grief, you don't have to do this. You've heard us say this to church before. You've heard me yell at people before. Now is the time. Just reach out. And when you reach out, you're going to find that Jesus has been there with two hands reaching out for you to hold you. And when he holds you, he never, no, never lets go. Experience that relationship. Let go of the weight. Rest in his peace. The peace of faith in Christ. It's amazing. Okay. Jumping back in the text in verse 4, Paul, he has that, that same excitement, that same evangelistic approach as a prerequisite for how he's going to approach relating to others. Listen, he says that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. This is verse 4. So every trial, imprisonment, and struggle that he endured gives him ultimate credibility when he speaks to other people about Christ. In fact, when he speaks to the church at Colossae to strengthen them in their security, in their sufficiency about relationships, he's telling them that I have gone through all things and it is, like he says in Philippians, through Christ that strengthens me in all these different areas. From chapter 3, verse 15, up to this point, Paul has directed the why and really the what. And now in the last couple of verses, he's going to transition his thought, practically leaving the church and us with how the work should be done. So let's look at verse 5. Colossians 4, 5 presses the truth of the mystery that we just talked about into the urgency of this moment. We don't know what tomorrow, tomorrow promises. We talked about that. But Christ gives us that peace. And he gives us his plan to, to, to be saved. He compels us. If you're saved, you are compelled as glory-bound ambassadors for him to represent him to everyone elsewhere. Making most of the opportunity. That's the last part of the verse. Well, the word opportunity is better translated from the Greek, is what we see in English, is not the best way to say it. The original language Greek says to buy out of or to redeem from. To redeem, as spoken of time, and he talks about this in Ephesians again too, the same phrase, believe it or not, is used in, in a Greek look at Daniel 2.8, meaning that we're gaining time or, or, or having protracted time for us. In Ephesians 5.16, talks about the days are evil, they're afflicting or abounding in troubles of persecution. The sense of the expression, as we look more into this, is that when you are redeeming time by prudent and blameless conduct, you gain much more time for the opportunity and possible view of persecution or death. Knowing, as the Bible says, it's all coming. The word generally means to buy up or to buy all that's anywhere to be bought ever and not to allow the suitable moment to pass without taking advantage of what's there to make it one's own. How do we do that? 
How do you make the most of that opportunity? How do you make the most of that time? Verse 6 maps out the one key to this entire plan. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so you may know how to respond to each person. Well, <laughs> Colossians 4, 6, as it's written, drives me to be incredibly convicted, encouraged, and yet prepared to evangelize this morning or whenever you're watching this. I would tell you, let your speech always be gracious or winsome or endearing or attractive. Just that alone, it convicts me as I recognize I fall short of speaking that gracious way as I explain with my family in a way that would draw people to know that they're loved and appreciated. And my words often don't disarm, but they rather spur on conflict. And I don't talk about truth. I'm harsh, dismissive, impatient, and frustrated. And I hate it. I hate that. Because what I really want to do is I want to speak in a manner that brings the glory of the Lord in an endearing and a gracious way. And so I'm going to pray, Lord, I pray right now that you would in this moment make my speech gracious and winsome and enduring so that your glory is shown. And yet I do get encouraged because I, I recognize that the one who inspired Colossians 4, 6 is full of grace and truth. We see that in John. So the fact that I receive and not run from this message is evidence of his grace in my speech. And I will tell you that Although his word cuts me deep, I know that his grace abounds even more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gracious speech that ministers to me. Lord, keep speaking. Keep making your moment real right now. And for every wound in me, fill with your grace. And lastly, evangelizing. Colossians 4, 2 through 5 outlines a method to achieve evangelizing in public life. This whole idea about being with people matters. Prayer so God can open a door for the word in people's lives. Speaking forth the mystery of Christ. The mystery that Paul touches on, you're going to read more about in your readings this week. The mystery of Christ is what drives Paul. That God would reconcile Gentiles and Jews together because of the all-atoning blood of Jesus is amazing. It's a mystery and Paul stood for this truth everywhere with everyone, in every time. And it cost him his freedom and his life. So Lord, let me speak also as Paul with breath and life that I could be a suitable messenger so that when the, the chains of persecution and the threat of earthly extinction hang, I know that you still hold on to me and you still want that last breath to be about bringing you glory. Thank you, Lord. So as we finish our time here in this last table talk we're going to talk about, I want to encourage you, remember the truth of the word. The truth of the word brings glory to God through relationships. Table talk three, on the back of your connecting points. What is there that God cannot accomplish? Nothing. That's right, nothing. So why do we, okay, why, why do I run from the chances God gives us to practice well the relationship building moments in our lives? Think back a week. What relationships did you press into for kingdom glory and what ones did you avoid? God's rich grace covers you. How can you press into those delayed opportunities this week? So go ahead and pause and talk about those things. And then come back so that we can finish up. Okay, so we've talked about the foundation for relationships We've used the word to see how to practice well these relationships for the purpose of bringing God glory through the relationships. And to kind of bring 
the message to an end, I, I want to bring up something. We had last year a retreat. We had church made that says we were made for this. We were made for this. Christ died. He gave himself to us because we were made for this as a gift to him in relationships. Paul gives us these three ways we talk about in foundation, practice, and bringing glory. So stay in relationship with people around you. Press into the church. Stay connected to the website, through the Zoom meetings. I would encourage you, if you had not yet been blessed by showing up on Wednesday nights at the Zoom meeting for worshiping in the Word, walking through Psalms, you need to do it this week. As a family, I encourage you greatly. Check that out. Email updates are coming out. They're, how about actually calling somebody? Text them, but reach out to someone and say, I haven't talked to you. I miss you. Because we do. We miss you. Or visit people or however you feel comfortable with that as, as the family would bring uh, that closest relationships back into the life that we want to have with Christ. And as we draw close to the end of this time of separation, stretch yourself into areas of uncomfortability while remaining true to how the Lord's leading you and your family. Your leaders are craving time with you. We miss you. We're meeting again this week to talk about ways to reunite and how fast we can do that and where. And, and I miss you. I miss being able to look out and see Mo raising his hand in the back saying, yeah, you do. I miss looking over and seeing the, the Griffins. And I, I, I miss seeing, uh, you know, my friends. I miss seeing you guys. I miss you. We miss you. And yet, even this time, I eagerly await seeing what Christ is going to do to make us more glory-bound stories for him in relationships together. Let's pray. Father God, your relationship method, sometimes I wish was just a plug and play that we could find people that we, we connect to and that we hang out with and that we get along with and, and that would be great and forever and ever be like that. But you refine us through the, the struggles and the trials and the persecutions and usually it's done through relationships. Lord, I pray right now that you refine us through the fire to make us the precious jewels you want us to be. And Lord, I pray that we would stay connected. I pray that as we draw closer to you, that we would draw closer to each other, recognizing that your word is full of stories that are based on loving the people of God as a vessel to love you more. That's all we want to do, Lord. Father God, I pray until we meet again, let the richness of the word dwell with our church fam family and let the peace of God dwell in their hearts. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So our benediction passage, as you think about this, put it all together, is from Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God bless you all. We love you. And I'll tell you right now, I look forward to seeing you soon.